Hi, I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's our mission at Dragonfly Marketing to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally-based small business in Australia. Why? Because we know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. We believe small businesses are the backbone of our nation. When your business grows, it benefits not only you and your family, it benefits your whole community. Small businesses create a vibrant and connected economy. We employ local people, we donate to local charities, and we work together to build resilient and thriving regional communities. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. Creating content is one of the biggest challenges that small business owners can have when it comes to marketing. Knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it and who to say it to can sometimes be a bit overwhelming. How do we get our content to stand out in a crowded market? How do we make our content really work for us? Well, today I'm speaking with small business content specialist, Stacey Farrell. Stacey sits on the Australian Marketing Institute New South Wales committee with me and has some terrific experience when it comes to creating content that adds value to your organisation as well as to your customer. With a strong background in creating communication strategies for a wide variety of industries, including education, aged care, insurance, manufacturing, as well as the not-for-profit sector, Stacey spends her working week creating and executing marketing strategies that build, grow and ignite small businesses in competitive marketplaces. Her passion is helping businesses navigate towards successful outcomes via structured marketing communication strategies and creative content that engages audiences across multiple platforms. In this chat, Stace talks us through what makes compelling content. She provides a heads up on mistakes to avoid with your small business content and runs through the importance of ensuring that your content is optimised for search engine visibility or SEO, which is search engine optimization. She even shares a case study of an aged care provider who was able to achieve some great results by simply focusing on producing some great content marketing. So let's get started. Hello, Stacey, and welcome to the How To Do Marketing Show. Hey, Jane. Thanks so much for having me. No problems at all. And before we kick off and start talking all about content marketing, I like to ask all of my guests the same question, and it's really about why they do what they do. What is it that you love particularly about working in the small business marketing space? Yeah, look, that's a really good question, Jane. Um, I think the thing that I like the most is that I get to work with such fantastic people that are passionate about their businesses every day, just like I'm passionate about mine. Um, I love learning about all the different businesses across different sectors and working side by side with the owners to really help them, uh, guide them towards their marketing success. And I guess underneath it all, it really just comes down to me uh, liking to help people and love seeing them succeed. 
And I think it goes back to my background in education and training because, after all, you don't go into education unless you like people and love helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, having my own businesses set up and established and sold them, I know the challenges that small business owners face uh, in a very challenging market at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there's, that was, I think, one of the biggest things that I realised moving from corporate to small business was I just thought there was so much more visibility around the effects that marketing has on that business. Mm, You can mm. see the effect that your work has on the bottom line almost in real time because just just because of the nature of, of, of how it works and I guess less people and less red tape and, and all the rest. So I completely... Well, they agree. certainly make decisions faster than in Much the faster. <laughs> and you can see the anxiety be relieved on their faces as soon as they know that they've got somebody that can help them do it who knows what they're doing. So, yes. you know, that's very rewarding. Yeah, 100%. Completely agree. And um, you, like me, are a marketer that assists on strategy-led marketing execution. In your opinion, why is it so important to start with a strategy? And what do you think are the key things that small business owners need to include in their marketing strategy? Yes, look, I think um, a strategy is really important because it creates the roadmap and underpins all the marketing activities moving forward. And if you don't have a roadmap or you don't have a strategy underpinning that, well, then you don't really know what what you're doing and where you're going to go. It's a bit like having a ship without a rudder. So um, without a well-defined strategy, I find that businesses are often um, selling to everyone rather than trying to attract their ideal customer. Mm. They struggle to differentiate themselves from their competitors. Mm. Um, And then when they lead lead with tactics first, Mm. uh, it tends to result in more of a scattergun approach to marketing rather than something that is, you know, really well-defined and executed. And, you know, I think for small businesses, it's important for them to know who their ideal customers are versus the target audience. They need to know what their buyer journey is and the journey that their buyers actually go on before they will actually purchase something. And they really need to understand what their competitors are doing um, and how they can articulate their core message to make themselves look different and have a different offering to what their competitors are. So having a strategy will help actually all of that fall into place rather than just trying to do a hit and miss, miss approach towards marketing. Yeah, 100%. And, and you specialise in creating marketing content. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to deep dive into this topic with you. So, so first of all, if we can kind of define, because content, I mean, there's so much content out there, really. There um, what, what would your definition of compelling content be? Oh, look, this is one of my favourite topics, talking about compelling content and audience engagement. Um, look, there's a couple of things that you've got to start with first that are the basics, knowing why you're creating something, knowing um, for who you're creating it and for what reason. They're the three basic things that you've got to start with. Mm-hmm. And understanding that will give you some sort of content. But creating compelling content is something that um, not only engages an audience, but it arouses an emotional response in the reader as well. So it might be something like happiness or interest, mm-hmm. anxiety, concern. Um, it might be anger or hum- you know, humour. And it needs to show the conceptual link between the visuals and the words that are on the page. 
um, because they will actually, the visuals can work very strongly to actually mm -hmm. convey meaning. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you can measure a good piece of content by the type of behaviour that it motivates people to take, whether it's like clicking a link to read more or entering contact details into a page, um, getting a phone number, somebody picking up the phone and ringing, you know, because then you know that it's hit the right trigger at the right time to drive the behaviour or action. So they're the things that you need to really think about in creating compelling content. Yes. Okay. All right. What about the mistakes that, that small business owners can avoid? So, so in terms of creating compelling content, it's important to have strong visuals, um, you know, to link the words with the visuals um, and I guess create really valuable and, and relevant content. But what are the mistakes, particularly with small businesses, what, what are some of the mistakes that you see them make with, with their content? Yeah, look, one of the really common things that I see, and I see this regularly, is that business owners are really passionate about the business, about their own businesses, and they love writing about it. Mm. So they often write about the things that they want to write about, the things that they're passionate about, mm. which might not necessarily be what the audience wants to hear about. So while they're industry experts, they may not be the best person to write to actually engage the audience, you know, and then that, that, that might be because it might be too technically heavy or it's written in um, industry-specific language that, you know, will, only doesn't translate across to all the audiences. Um, the other really common thing that I see is the lack of value that is placed on very well-designed visuals because we know we've got to stop that scroll. So if you've got a very engaging visual with great imagery and a catchy headline, you're going to stop that scroll. So investing in good graphics is a bit of a no-brainer to me. Yeah. And the third thing that I, that I see is that a lot of business owners are looking for a quick fix. They're looking for some sort of quick connection, quick transaction. So unfortunately, it doesn't work that way because we know that depending on the business, depending on the buyer persona, it can take up to eight touch points before you can even get anybody transacting with you. Yeah. So to approach something, you know, and I see this a lot in email marketing, they want to send an email blast on a second email, it's like buy this product, you mm -hmm. know, or engage mm -hmm. or sign up for this service. That doesn't, doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So the thing about it is that there is no quick fix for content and good quality content will build up um, the relationship with the re with the audience. It's an investment in the business because they're creating a bank of resources that can be repurposed for mm. later on, and um, you know that you can use it multiple times. So, really understanding those three things and 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 trying not to do them would be my first bits of advice for any business owners looking to create content. And I think the point that you made there about the first point in terms of when small business owners write something that really interests them mm. um, or, and, and sometimes there's a couple of things there. Sometimes I know that um, particularly in the professional services and particularly when we're talking about thought leadership content, something that kind of holds um, business owners back from writing content is they're worried about what their peers will or how their mm. peers will judge that content. You know, they want it to be completely and utterly technically correct and they want to be kind of 10%, they want the article to be kind of adding 10% more knowledge even to the experts because they're so worried about 
you know, being, being exposed as a fraud or as an imposter syndrome or someone who's writing about so, something so basic. But I think with content, particularly with content marketing, it's really important to know that your peers and your competitors are not your target audience. You know, you're not writing for them. So no, that's right. And I think that's the point about understanding the difference between a target audience and an ideal customer. Yes. And I was going to ask you the difference mm. between between those two. So so when you talk about your ideal audience and your target customer, what what how do you differentiate those two? Well, I think, you know, if you take my business, for example, right, my target audience is anybody that's in the digital space, you know, um, copywriters, um, SEO agencies, people that are marketing managers, graphic designers, cartoonists, animators, videographers, you know, all and business owners. Yep. But my ideal customer is not those people. My no. ideal customer is the small business owner who is busy. Um, yep. They don't have enough time to uh, do the marketing themselves yep. and they don't have the expertise and they see the value of having an external uh, resource come in and do it. Mm. So, and also, you know, your ideal customer needs to be profitable for you and you also really want them to refer you. So while I'm writing or creating content and engaging with the other wider industry people, it's giving me the credibility and giving me the expertise and the knowledge and we can share and learn from each other. But that's not necessarily who I'm going to get my next business from. Yes. So getting and really understanding the difference between a wider target audience yes. and, your, and your ideal customer um, is quite an important thing. Yeah, that's a really important, a really, really important point. And the other thing there too in terms of that um, creating content for your ideal customer I know sometimes when I would write blog posts that would that would really really interest me, or even sometimes for this um, for this podcast, when I when I have an interview with someone and I go, oh my gosh, that's so awesome! I've learnt so much from it. This is great. I have to kind of have a bit of a think and go, oh, hang on a second. If I've really liked that, I'm really qualified and I know so much about marketing. I hope that doesn't mean that this is too much or this is too much information or it's going to be too overwhelming mm. for my small business audience who don't know as much as me when it comes to, to marketing. So it's just being able to kind of put that lens or that filter over your content to go, oh, hang on a second, am I geeking out on this and am I loving it because I'm that industry professional um, who gets it all and I have the context and I have the relevance and I have the background because I'm ensconced with this day to day. Or is this content that's actually, you know, really going to be exciting for someone in small business who doesn't yeah. have the context? And look, that's the thing. If, if you are writing about stuff that you're completely passionate about and you know so much about, you tend to, you know, go into a lot more detail and it can risk alienating your audience because yes. then they think, oh, my goodness, I'm never going to be able to understand all of this and then they switch off straight away. So yes. it's finding that balance between delivering the expert, expert knowledge but in bite-sized pieces that people can understand. Yes. So um, it is, it, and, you know, getting other people to look at it as, as well, you know, it's, yeah. it, it is a skill to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess too, just going, you know, one of the biggest, biggest things that I see a lot of small business owners do there too is use technical jargon, you yes. know, or acronyms or those yes. sort of things. And, yes. and that's something that you can actually go back yourself very purposely 
and go, okay, let's just pick up on all of the marketing words and actually think, is somebody actually going to understand what that mm. means or is someone going to actually understand what that acronym means? Um, like, for example, SEO. Does everybody mm -hmm. know that that means search engine optimization? Probably not. So explain it. <laughs> mm, that's um, exactly right. So, and perfect segue onto the next question. What about the relationship between content and SEO or search engine optimization? Can you talk a little bit about this link and why it's so vital for businesses to ensure that their content actually helps them to become more visible online? Yeah, look, um, there is a difference between the two, but they are pretty much very interconnected. Um, and, you know, one sort of feeds off the other. You can't have one without the other and vice versa. So really, SEO is, tends to be a lot more technical um, than content. It's essentially a set of rules that are followed in order to maintain a technically healthy website. And the primary goal of SEO is to make sure that your website is um, easy for search engine crawlers to, to read and to be found on Google. Uh -huh. You know, content involves conveying meaning. So content's all about what's actually on the page and what that information is saying to someone who's searching for a specific intent. Yes. So it's what's going to help Google find a website and put that website in front of an audience. So if you think from Google's perspective, right, um, you know, that handles billions of searches every day. So having high-quality, well-optimised content on your website means that Google can find your site yeah. and it can actually put it in front of the users yeah. And this is going to increase your traffic and hopefully your conversion, conversion rates yeah. um, because at the end of the day, content, uh, Google's search engine is designed to deliver results that are relevant for the end user at the yes. end of the day. Yeah. So, you know, specifically content that's beneficial to searches will improve the SEO performance of a website. Yes. So... They're very much interrelated and interconnected yes. in order to, you know, really maximise that digital, digital space and get that digital footprint happening for, for websites. So your SEO is kind of catering for the Google audience and the Google audience is the spiders and the stuff that actually, you know, searches the World Wide Web to actually find relevant content. And then the content is actually there for the user or, or the reader. So That's right. That's right. Yeah, one with the intent. Yeah, you can't, I mean, you can have great content on a website, but if it can't be read, yes. technically, you're never going to be found. So yes. you've got to make sure that everything in the back end has been put together by, you know, an SEO expert. So as, yes. you know, it, it can easily be trolled, it can easily be found, it can easily be indexed yes. in a way that, you know, the AI and the Google algorithms understand. So your website can be put up into yeah. one of those, you know, somebody types in content marketing, for example, where you want to make sure that the right sites get put up. Because yeah. at the end of the day, Google's got a business too in as much as serving the needs of the user, at the, you know, because you don't want to put in content marketing and find that you get something on, um, you know, I don't know, something completely rubbish removal, for example. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. That's mm. right. And, and whilst we don't write our content for Google, we have to be considerate that we need to get it found. As you've said, it needs to be indexed by the, the spiders, I just call them the spiders, mm. the Google spiders that go trawling the, the World Wide Web. 
So it has to be able to index. And, and there are certain things that Google looks for. There's a certain order. There's a certain, not framework, but there's kind of compliance almost that, that Google's looking for. Yeah, there's key elements, absolutely. Yeah, to, to kind of make sure that, that that content is worthy of putting in front of people who are mm. actually searching for it. But once they actually get, so if once Google's kind of served that up to someone, you, it can't just all be keywords and backlinks and annoyingly written. Like it's actually got to be something that flows and and you store, you know, uses storytelling. Mm. And and it's funny because I remember asking. I remember when I was actually blogging for a, a third party website and they were getting, um, they were becoming really strict about the SEO guidelines around how we were to 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 submit these blog articles. And there's quite a lot of things to consider. Like there's the headline and then there's you've got mm. to use certain words in your first couple of sentences that match the headline. And then there's meta tags and there's this and that. And to me, trying to find, trying to kind of follow all of those guidelines took the joy of writing out, you know. So, so I would write my article and then I would go through and try and tick all of these boxes and I'd be like, but I don't, that word doesn't fit in the first paragraph you know I don't that's not the flow of the story or I'm using a story to illustrate my point and that doesn't have necessarily the key words there and you know all of that sort of stuff so so would you say there and I remember actually I asked um I was doing the storytelling course with Bernadette Jiwa and um Seth Godin and I remember this was all happening at that at that time. And I remember just saying, writing a little message to to Seth in the uh, in the in the in the program in the forum, saying, Seth, do you like when you're writing your blog? Are you are you following an SEO formula? And he just wrote back, no. <laughs> and and so that made me kind of relax a little bit to go. Okay, you know, so we don't have to get all uptight about the exact formula. We just need to recognise that that it's there's got to be some sort of link. Would you agree with that or would you? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, you've got to write for the reader. Yeah. You know, you don't write for keywords. I'm actually just writing a blog myself on um, content for customers, not for keywords. So Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because at the end of the day, if you look at what Google says that good content is, it says that it's informative and useful, okay? Yes. It's more valuable. Um, your, you know, content on one website is more valuable than content on the other website because they, you know, rank them first, second, third, fourth, right? Yes. Um, High-quality content and very well-written. Okay, they want it credible and accurate. You know, they want it engaging for the audience. They're the criteria that Google look at. And if you think about the way AI is progressing and the level of, I suppose, intelligence that is coming out, um, you know, it is going to be those AI machines are going to be more sophisticated at the way that they read content yeah. moving forward. So yeah. at the end of the day, well, you need to be aware of what your keywords are, for example. You don't want to keyword stuff your document because, yeah. you know, that's not going to work for you. Yeah. Um, but you have to write and, and consider the user and the reader. And it yeah. really just comes back to when you're writing or creating anything for anybody. Think about what the end user is going to want out of that piece of information. Yes. And write back to what I said earlier. Know your audience. Understand who you're writing for, what you're writing for, and um, how you're going to you know, what your purpose is yeah. and really keep that in mind. And yeah. then the other stuff will fall into place. Yes, yes. If, if, it's, if it's written correctly. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, that's right. 
And, and what about, have you got any examples of small businesses that you know of that have managed to achieve a significant result just with their content marketing? So just kind of really focusing on producing that compelling content. Yeah, look, um, there's a client of mine in the aged care sector I've been working with for a number of years. Um, and, you know, their content strategy has been hugely successful. So my initial engagement with them was to help them identify and set up a strategy to attract new clients. They do in-home care services. So it's not, yeah. a, you know, it's not residential care. It's in keeping, you know, elderly people in their home for as long as possible. So, you know, when I was first engaged, we identified who their personas were. We identified content topics. We mapped out their buyer journey. And then we created a content marketing plan that had a really strong educational focus to build trust, authority, and to address the emotional and psychological trigger points that families face when looking at, you know, aging parents, for example, and how to care for their elderly when they, when they don't want to leave their own homes. So over that time, you know, this particular business has more than doubled inside in size and as a result now we've had to shift the focus a little bit on what we're doing and we're we're building in a recruitment strategy because wow. of the sheer demand for their services they've now got to recruit more carers so wow. um you know in that strategy now we're looking at recruiting carers we're looking at focusing on the benefits of you know working in aged care you know having rewarding you know rewarding careers in aged care and all of the content that we've developed, which I sort of touched on a little bit earlier on about developing a bank of resources and looking at content as an investment in a business, all the content that we've developed over the last few years is now being used back in our email campaigns yes. through their funnel. Yes. Um, you know, we've got ebooks that are coming out that are for both staff and the uh, clients themselves, as well as adult children who yes. are the children of the parent the parents that they're looking at caring for. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, it now all just sort of starts to come together and that owner, that business owner, you know, really saw the value of content um, in as an investment, as you know, versus a cost and it has definitely, play, you know, panned off. I've also got another client that um, I don't work with directly but I've been watching his business go along and he just pumps out really good content via video and yes. his business, um, he's now on the first page of Google. He's in the wow. jewellery sector. Yes. He's on the first page of Google and it's all just purely through a lot of his video content that he's been pumping out. How did, where does he get the video content? Has he got like a YouTube channel or does he yeah, he's share got it? A YouTube, he's got a YouTube right. channel yeah. and um, he's on Instagram. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So, again, he's not across every single platform because you need to be where your audience is. That's right, yeah. So there's yeah. no point in being across every single platform if your audience aren't there. So, and That's he's right. also a slightly younger generation um, where he's targeting with his videos. So, um, you yeah. know, that works really well. You know, in my aged care example, you know, uh, Facebook um, is a really big market for them because that tends to be where the... Uh, elderly people are actually on Facebook looking and building that community. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in any of those things that we have done, all the visual and all the visual engagement that has come is really drawing on what I was mentioning before about that emotional connection and yeah. that psychological gentle by gentle influence to actually supply, you know, provide support and encourage people to take action. 
Yeah. So with your aged care um, clients, so, so you produce, you, you obviously produce a lot of really, really valuable content. What was it that you think led to that, like, ultimate, like, that's a massive, mm. you know, a, um, achievement there in kind of doubling and then now having to recruit. Do you think it was the fact, like, the variety and the diversity of different, like, you talked about e-guides and, and I, I guess there was blogs and videos and all of that sort of stuff. Do you think it was the variety as well as your um, prolificness, like, your, you've, you've, you've been able to show up with this content consistently and persistently, or do you think there was actually something within the content that really struck a chord, or do you think it was, like, within the industry and within that kind of competitive um uh, the, the I guess the competitive environment. You guys were the ones that were producing all the content in your. The yeah, look, I think it. that's a really good question because I think there's a couple of things in that. And um, look, it, this uh, client is a boutique provider of in-home care. Um, you know, and we have always positioned around that that not every client is suitable for this particular company yes. you know it's not a mass produced um you know ring up and get an automated thing leave your number and call back it's very personalized care okay. so anything that we did in terms of the content really um played on those differentiators compared to other companies um so it was all about that personalized care being a boutique provider um, you know, really do care about the clients and the staff. So that psyche has gone through both the audience as well as the employees. Um, and that content has been delivered consistently, mainly across social media platforms now close to, you know, a full on two years. And never have we missed any posts. And the level of engagement of the posts that have been coming up um, have addressed all the things like, you know, that, that people, like if you're, if you're an adult parent, if you're an adult child looking after a parent, like how do you navigate your way through the My Age Care system? What happens if your elderly parent falls over, you know, in, in their home? How do you maintain independence for them? How do you maintain healthy diets? And we adapted yeah. to, to really address the isolation and loneliness through the COVID period. As well yeah. so how do you keep you know your elderly person your elderly loved one stimulated at home and activities you know look at technology look at all of these things so each every article or anything that has been produced is playing or addressing the questions that the end user has got and yeah. there's two end users in this case one is the uh, recipient of the care and yeah. the other one is the adult child sometimes making decisions 100%. The third persona that we're yeah. moving in now is the staff and the recruitment and looking for to recruit staff. Okay, yeah, no, that's really interesting. And, yeah, as you pointed out, it sounds like you are anticipating a lot of the questions of the end, the, the, you know, both yeah. end users and answering those very generously and providing them with, with really useful content. And look, the other thing is too, I mean, keep in mind that aged care is in our press all the time. Like when I started working with them, it wasn't. Right, but we've had the Royal Commission that has generated. Now there's been, you know, with COVID, there's been, you know, the all the uh, media around, you know, residential care homes, and I think that has probably also 
um, in, delayed some decisions for some of these people of keeping their, their loved ones at home for as long as they possibly can rather yeah, than yeah. moving them into care facilities. Yeah. So, you know, there are some market factors there that I think have contributed, but not initially when we started. It was all about educating, building up brand because yes. you've got to realise that there's a number of different strategies that you'd use content for, whether it's brand whether it's retention, whether it's acquiring new customers, they're all things to consider when you're working out the strategy. And in this case, it was to actually get the company known, get mm-hmm. the company liked mm-hmm. and building trust. And if you go through that buyer journey, now they're starting to try and buy and you get the repeat and the refer referrals going on there as well. So we've addressed stuff at each day, each step of the way there. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So what are your three biggest tips when it comes to creating content that helps to optimise your search engine visibility? So we've spoken about, you know, providing valuable and helpful content to the end user. But if we are going to do things to actually help us become found by the Google spiders, what are your top tips for for doing there? Yeah, look, I think it comes back down to like definitely knowing your audience and knowing their mindset. Okay, so what are they looking for? What do they want you to answer for them? Understand what their triggers are and create content that specifically addresses those triggers. So if you're thinking, you know, I want to buy a brand new bicycle for my, you know, five-year-old daughter, for example, what are the types of questions as a parent, because it'll be a parent who is transacting, what are the type of questions that that parent might be thinking about when they're looking to, you know, buy that bike. And that's what you want to start to create content around. Um, The other thing, you know, the second thing would be to make sure that you determine your topic um, and know the keywords and stay on topic. So, again, looking at, you know, the formula for content. You know, you you have, for one of a non-technical term, a beginning, a middle and an end of the Mm -hmm. writing. Um, think about what the purpose of the beginning is, what's the purpose of the middle and what is the purpose of the end and help you stay on track so you don't, you know, go off Awful. offline. And the other thing that I think is really important is really using credible resources and references to build up your backlinks within your content. Okay. So, again, you know, when you think about, you know, for anybody that's been to university or done any, you know, higher post-grad study or really anything, you've got to back up all of your research and everything with credible resources and credible research. Well, it's no different now um, to doing that with content. And, you know, Google is looking for all of this stuff, um, you know, to make sure that you are citing the right type of, you know, the right type of credible um, resources within your within your writing. That content. So if you're writing about the bike, for example, you might have... um, links within that blog post mm. or even like a little um, bibliography or whatever at the right. end of the document that says this information was gathered by the, you know, National Bicycles Association. Yeah, you like. might have something in that it is linking, linking back to Bicycle Safety Australia, for example, yes. you know, or it might link to, you know, um, seven tips why you, you know, um, never use a broken helmet, you know, after a helmet's been yes. in an accident. You know, yeah. that type of thing. So the, the links that you put in need to, need to add value to the content that you're writing. There's no point in writing an article about a bike, you know, like a five-year-old bicycle and linking it to the Tour de France, for example. Yes, okay, that's too far-fetched. Both include yeah, bikes, right. but And not. Google will know that. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Okay, that's a really good point. Okay. Yeah. 
And do you have any tips for small businesses around how they might need to adjust their content? Like you spoke about the, the, in the aged care example about, you know, the fact that you addressed a lot of concerns of the, the two end users around the time of, of COVID and, and a worldwide pandemic. So, so with, you know, given that, the, that we're probably looking down the barrel of another year or so until we come up with a vaccine of kind of surviving and readjusting to this world, are there any particular um, tips that you have around how businesses can adjust their content to nuance the relevance of, the, of that and, and whether there's any kind of SEO considerations that they need to think of around that? Yeah, look, it is, it's great. another great question. It's something that I am being asked a lot of now because I think in the initial COVID um, uh, initial days, people just sort of hunkered down and thought, oh, my goodness, I'm just going to stop doing everything because hopefully this will be over in a month or two months and then, you know, we will be able to resume back to normal, back, back to the way that it was. But I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that that's ever going to happen, you know, in the short term. And mm -hmm. I think the way that it was is going to be different, yes. right? It's not going to be the way it was. It's going to be a different way that yes. it was. Yes. So, you know, marketing, and you, you know this, it's an engine. It's not a switch that can be turned on and off. And unfortunately, you know, it just doesn't work that way. It's something that is a perpetual motion. You've just got to keep grinding and grinding and keep going, you know, keep moving forward. So I think, you know, your content strategy today really needs to take into consideration the new consumer mindset because people have changed the way that they transact. They've changed the way that they view things. Mm -hmm. um, people no longer want to tra transact products and services. They want to buy valued and trusted relationships. And when they get those valued and trusted relationships, well, then business will flow out of that. Yeah. Um, you know, money is harder to come by. Resourcing yeah. is, more, is, is tougher. So people are making more informed uh, choices about where they actually spend their money. Yeah. So keeping this in mind when you're creating content is really important because if you do it the way that you used to do it, you risk alienating your, alienating your audience and you're not showing that you're really understanding them. And, you know, I think that the, the really important thing is that consumers are looking and they're saying, okay, so if I transact with this particular product or service, what is the extra value that I'm going to get out of that? Mm. You know, what's the value that that, is, that, that that transaction is going to bring me? And I think the business that communicates that the best is the one that is going to come out on top. Yes, yes, yeah. And I so, think... I think that's a really good point too, particularly as we kind of ease out of the honeymoon period of COVID, if you could call it that, um, and, and I'm sure Victorians wouldn't be calling it that, who've actually been in, in lockdown much longer than, than the rest of the country. But we, there's a lot of uncertainty now and there's, there's a lot of people holding on to their dollars very tightly mm, that's um, right. and saving for the rainy day. So if you're trying to get people to actually part with their money, communicating that value is going to, to, to be really key. Yeah, and look, the other thing that I think that has also happened is that, you know, um, marketing fundamentally hasn't really changed but it's the way that we do it has changed yeah. and all these different platforms have provided different opportunities as well as different challenges for businesses so if you're not out there you're never going to be found because gone are the days of the old yellow pages where you sit and you flick through and you always wanted to have a business with a with an a because you'd be at the front of the, the 
you know, front the of the, the yeah. phone book. <laughs> yeah. Right. It doesn't make any difference now. Yeah. So, but if you're not out there and you're not still, um, creating a digital presence, yeah. you are not showing that you're a stable business. You're yeah. not showing that you're there. You know, you're not talking to your audience. And yeah. again, resourcing is tight. Small businesses are struggling, you know, and particularly those that are in a, in a number of, you know, sectors, hospitality, for example, for one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, it comes back down to the little resources that you might have available. Use it wisely and use it well. And little is often more. Yes. Yeah, I love that. And I think too now that so many more people are actually going to be searching. I mean, so many people search for, for stuff online before they've made the, you know, before they actually even come into your shop or mm. come, you know, get to your website to, to buy what you have. They've often done, done a lot of research online, even more so now because people can't go places. And now people are kind of used to transacting online and researching online. Like if they weren't doing it six months ago, they're doing it now because they're right. forced to. That's right. So, so you've got to make sure that, that you're there. And just because you've got a website, you know, unless you're actually investing into the optimization of that website, your website might not be found. Don't just assume that's that it right. will be, right? And, you know, you, you had a guest on the other week about personal branding and that's where personal branding is really important because you're right. People, you know, uh, once upon a time would, um, you know, just type in a, a search or a website on the website, but now they're going and verifying the information that they find on the website. They're verifying on Facebook. They're verifying on Instagram. They're verifying on LinkedIn. And you find that more and more people are, are checking and connecting with the founder of the business on those platforms because they want that relationship. They don't necessarily want to buy that product right then and there at that particular point in time. Yes. So that buyer journey has extended and people come in and out at all different times and, you know, making sure that your business is consistent, that your message is consistent and that you are always there, yeah. even if you're not there five times a day, five times a week, at least if you're there just once a week, yeah. you're still adding to that portfolio of posts and feeds and you're building yeah. up that bank of resources because yeah. things... You know, businesses just have to be really um, flexible in the way that they deliver their services and you've got yeah. to address those points, understand yeah. that mindset and lower yeah. the entry barrier, you yeah. know, for people to come into a business and engage with you. And even at a really kind of rudimentary level, you know, now for the last six months there's been a lot of businesses that have shut down. I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, over the next six months, there could be more businesses that, that are shutting mm. down and going out of business. So if you're a business that's not updating and showing online that you're still there or communicating with your communities that, you know, well, we might be, you know, temporarily closed for, for a couple of weeks or we're short-staffed or we're just doing business a little bit differently, people could assume that you're that's you know, right. One of the businesses that have, have been shut down. So even just that at a very basic level, it's important to let people know that you're still alive and kicking. And also, you know, people want to know that you're sort of feeling their pain as well as they are. 
Yes. So if you shut down everything now and stop and then suddenly in six months' time think, oh, now, it's, now I'll start resuming it again, they're going to look and say, where have you been for six what? months? Yeah. And your competitors would have slipped in under yes. the, under the yes. blanket and yeah. they're like, where have you been? So they've already changed and we all know that it's cheaper and much better return on investment to nurture our existing customers than to try and find new customers. 100%. So you've really got to hang on to those customers and continue, even if it's, you know, um, I don't know, building up, making a phone call, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you've got time or you're stuck in isolation like, you know, all the Victorians are, pick up the phone and, and ring people and just ask how they're going. Yeah, so yeah. Like, and, and remember, you, you want to target your ideal clients there because yes. they're the ones that will be loyal and everybody just needs that reach out because they need to feel part of the community. Oh, so We're all working from home. It's very easy to be corporately isolated. Yeah, that's right. And there's nothing better than a, you know, show of appreciation of actually you picking up the phone and having a conversation um, because people are really craving that connection. But, but too, you know, if you're really short for funds at this time because, you know, business has been interrupted, that's the beautiful thing about social media, about some of the, you know, even if you've got a website where you can add those, those blogs mm. and those sorts of things, you can do that you know, relatively mm. for free if, you, if you've got access to your, your content management. Well, now's the perfect time to upskill yourself too. Yeah. If you're a little, bit, a little bit quieter. I mean, I did a presentation for Women's Network Australia earlier on in the year yeah. and, you know, one of the things there was that, that, and that was in the first sort of shutdown right across Australia, you know, yeah. um, and some businesses just died overnight. So, you know, while we're all in shock and awe, it's like, okay, well, let's look at where I need to upskill myself and how can you use the time wisely, invest yes. in yourself, invest in your brand. Yes. And, you know, there was a lot of, and there still is a lot of free courses around for the bigger companies trying to help support the smaller companies because yes. if the smaller companies go under, the bigger companies are going to lose their customers too. That's so, exactly right. You know, yeah. So we, we, we are all kind of interlinked with everything. So there are lots of things that, you know, small businesses can do. Just got to think outside the box and yeah. look at and try and predict. And also I think not plan too far ahead because, yeah. you know, we don't know what's going to happen at Christmas time. We don't know what's going to happen That's in right. March next yes. year. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I don't right. think any of us thought that we'd still be the situation that we're in now when it hit in March no, this year. No, <laughs> no, that's exactly right. My gosh, yeah. So, mm. and, and I think too another thing that, that small businesses could think about there, so, yeah, there's your social media channels, your, your website, can you upskill there? Maybe you can use the time to actually gather all your email addresses that you've got on, mm. for, you know, for your customers. Clean or your database. And, and, yeah, create a database and start emailing to keep in touch because that's, that's an incredibly valuable asset. And, again, it's relative, like it's free mm. or relatively low cost to be able to do that. So I guess, you know, look for those kind of low cost but, but you know, quite impactful. Certainly cleansing your data and segmenting it. Yeah, great another, great another great, great thing. Yeah. So segment it, you know, look at your top 10%, then your next 10%, then your next 10% of your customers because each one of them will have a different trigger point as well. And, yeah. you know, and, and just keep communicating. You've got to stay there. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, yeah. so, yeah. you know, yeah. that's what I think businesses have to do because at the end of the day, consumers are going to come back to um, visibility leads to credibility. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. Visibility no. leads to credibility. Absolutely. Mm, mm. So can you tell us a little bit about your business content box? Now, how, how does this help small businesses achieve marketing success? 
Yes, look, um, at Content Box, you know, we have one sort of core mission, I suppose, and that's to try and make marketing easy for business owners. You know, Love we it. take away the frustration and the anxiety of not knowing what to do, when to do it or how to do it. And when I talk to most business owners, you know, they know that they've got to do something in marketing, um, but they say to me, I just don't know what to do. I don't know when to do it and I don't know how to do it. Mm. And you can see their stress levels you know, rise up through the roof because mm -hmm. they just go, oh, it's all that stuff. I don't even understand the digital world. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Everybody tells me I need to do something. So that's where we can step in and really help. Um, and we often st need to start with a strategy engagement first, which, you know, tells us what their competitors are doing, um, tells us what their buyers are thinking. We identify what tactics are best, um, yeah. what platforms they need to be on, um, what their audience is looking for from them. And yeah. from there, we can go ahead and create, manage and implement a whole content marketing strategy for them. Right. Um, and for owners, you know, they know that their content is being delivered and developed in line with the strategy. Um, they know that it's being done to a high standard and we do the visuals as well as the words and we do infographics and, and everything. So it's a, a full package. Right. And for them, it just takes away so many headaches and, yeah. you know, it leaves them to do what they do best, which is actually run their business and, you know, just take away all of that anxiety and angst about um, yeah. all things marketing and deliver it consistently because consistently, yeah. consistency is really important as well. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a really important kind of service to consider for small business because content you know, content is a beast, you know, it really requires, you know, as we've already spoken about in this interview a couple of times, it kind of requires you to be there every week, you know, whether that be with an email, a blog post, a social media post, a podcast, a video, whatever that is, you can't just show up for two weeks and then when you get busy, you know, forget about it for the next six months and then you know, pick up where you left off six months later. It just doesn't work like that. And look, it is a struggle. You know, we all know that. You run a small business and so do I. And, you know, sometimes I get to the end, I think, oh, my goodness, my content's running low. What am I going to do? Yeah. I better quickly try and, you know, uh, get some more. What are people looking? And I go through the whole research thing from, from my business as well. Yeah. But if you're a business, and, you know, I'm in the marketing and content space, yeah. right? So yeah. if you're a business owner that is not in that, it's like, oh, my God, that becomes too hard. I'll yep. push it aside. Yes. And, you know, and as I say, they're experts, you know, builders are experts in building, but they might not be experts in writing or, you know, um, photography. Or yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's, um, it, it can be quite challenging and I just know that most of my customers just go, fantastic, Stacey, great, yeah. just do it for me. <laughs> Crush the hands. Yep, thanks that's very right. much. Done. That's right. That's exactly right. It's all done and I know it's going to be done nicely. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Love mm. it. So, so if a listener would like to connect with you and, and certainly maybe even explore getting some of these, these services hooked up for their business, how are they best to find you? Look, um, it, it's quite easy. They can go to my website, which is, you know, contentbox.com.au. Um, also, reach out on LinkedIn. I do a lot of work on LinkedIn. There's a lot of articles, a lot of posts, so some really valuable information there. And yeah. it's Stacey Farrell, but there's no E in Stacey. So just S-T-A-C-Y for the autocorrects. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, or, you know, the other thing, you know, is just pick up the telephone, you know. Oh. 
pick Love up it. the phone, you know, 612 for Australia and New South Wales and then 94409369. Um, Fantastic. And, look, I've got, I'm just putting out a video series at the moment uh, which will come out in the next couple of weeks called Content Bites. Right. And that will be bite-sized pieces of marketing information to design specifically for business owners to really make it easy for themselves. So that'll right. go onto my website. It'll also go onto Facebook and it's going to go onto my LinkedIn feed. So um, awesome. you know, plenty of ways to find there. But, you know, LinkedIn is full of some really valuable resources there as well. So right. that would be oh, the best that, way. Yeah, fantastic. And the Content Bite series sounds like it will be a great resource for for busy small business owners who just want to grab some tips on the go, that sounds It will fantastic. be. And, you know, they're only probably going to be, you know, 60, 70-second bites, oh, really just about it. tiny little snapshots because I know how busy it is. Yeah. You know, you don't have a lot of time to sit there for through a whole hour's webinar or, you know, course. So I'll just do yeah. lots of little bite-sized ones for, to really try and cater to the, to the busy, stressed-out business owner. Love it. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much for that, Stacey. I really appreciate your time and your awesome tips that you've shared with us. Um, yeah, I think small business owners are going to get a, a lot from, from this insight. So thank you. No, thanks, Jane. Really, really good. I love your podcast series. You have so many good guests and so many uh, useful tips and information on there. It's really, really great to be on your show. Thank you. Sounds like a huge job, right? And it can be. But when content marketing is done well, it can produce some huge results. So I really think it's worthwhile. Stacey has given us some great tips to really help you navigate some of the content marketing hacks. So I really hope that this helps you to crack out some fabulous content marketing via your channels and achieve some awesome results for your business. It really is a worthwhile investment. And if you are really enjoying these episodes and you feel like they are helping you become a better marketer, head into your podcast app and hit subscribe. That way you just won't miss an episode and the marketing goodness will just keep on flowing in. And if you know a small business owner who you might also think that this will find this episode helpful, grab a screenshot of the episode and shoot it over to them. You can also subscribe to receive our weekly small business marketing tips at dragonflymarketing.com.au. And if you are a Facebook groups kind of person, then we'd love to welcome you to the How To Do Marketing group on Facebook. We've had, we have loads of marketing tips and articles and updates flowing through that group. And we always love to have a conversation or answer any of your questions about marketing. So we'd love to see you there. Just simply search for the How To Do Marketing group on Facebook. And until next time, happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 